Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Only a day before the election. And the biggest newsmaker isn't those running for office. It's not even the elections. And it's not the fact that Coach Wright got fired from the Indianapolis Colts and the owner, Jim Ursay, is replacing him with Jeff Saturday. That's... That's happening. (laughs) That's not a... That's not, I can't make that one up. Nah, the guy making the most news is Elon Musk. From suspending Kathy Griffin per, uh, permanently to delaying the $8 a month fee for for those people who want to be uh, uh, verified to stating, oh yeah, you should vote for Republicans. <gasps> what? He did. He said you should vote for Republicans. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. (laughs) Phony. Hey, this guy's a great big phony. I don't think he's a phony, but that's what people are saying about him. Crazy. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on? Find everything, TonyKatz.locals.com, TonyKatz.locals.com. Let's start with Kathy Griffin who's no longer funny. She used to be. Yes, Kathy Griffin was funny. And yes, Kathy Griffin used to make me laugh. And then Kathy Griffin decided that her politics were everything because isn't that a great way to blame uh, the failure of your your career? Just blame everybody else because you're speaking out and speaking truth. Remember, Kathy Griffin uh, was the one who had the picture with Trump's severed head and then, you know, was so apologetic and then came back and said, I didn't have to apologize. He was so mean. He broke me. And you're like, yeah, we know. We saw it happen. We saw it happen. Um, She changed her profile name, Kathy Griffin did, to Elon Musk. So she changed her name to Elon Musk and started tweeting. So for a second, you thought it was Elon Musk, and it's not. So she was impersonating Elon Musk, and for that, she was suspended for impersonating somebody. And he wrote, going forward, any Twitter handles engaging in impersonation without clearly specifying parody will be permanently suspended. And people are like, you see, you're not a free speech absolutist. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. A free speech absolutist would think it okay to pretend to be somebody else? Well, it's free speech. I could say what I want. Whoa. You can say as you what you want. Um... That's that's a that's a stretch. That's a stretch to think to think that's what it means to be a free speech absolutist. Now you could do this with free speech absolutists, and you can push them, and they you might find places. Absolutism is is something else. 
it's a, actually a fantastic and fascinating conversation about where we think we draw the line. But impersonation can do great damage. Great damage. Does that mean Kathy Griffin should be permanently suspended? I, I don't know. But I'm not going to spend any time thinking about Kathy Griffin. I'm not going to spend any time caring about Kathy Griffin because Kathy Griffin, who gives a damn? She's not an intellectual. She's no longer entertaining. She's just vicious and angry and bitter. And if I wanted vicious and angry and bitter, I could go listen to Chelsea Handler. So no thanks. So she gets banned. Now, Twitter is going through a bit of upheaval because Elon Musk wants to charge $8 a month for the blue check mark. I have a blue check mark. I'm I'm verified. I I am me and I have a blue a check mark. I did not pay for it. Blue check mark. Boom. I'm me. I proved I'm me. I'm to the extent that I'm in the public eye, I'm in the public eye. So uh, that's me. So you know something coming from me is actually me and not somebody who's doing what? Pretending to be me. So he said for this, we're going to charge $8 a month. It's going to be the Twitter Blue subscription uh, plan. It verifies the authenticity of celebrities, government officials, prominent figures, and journalists. And um, then it gives you some other opportunities, and it might very well uh, um, give give you the opportunities to monetize your tweets and and things like that. Um. So, so the, the, the question is, is, is it worth the eight bucks? Do we have to do it? The answer is no. You don't have to do it. No one out there has to do it. You don't have to spend the $8. Elon Musk has decided, you know what? I'm going to wait to the election. I'm going to pause doing this until after the election, and then... We'll do the $8 a month. I have a whole video uh, about this uh, at uh, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Rumble.com. Just search for Tony Katz and subscribe to my channel. I, I don't care if people do it or not, but since when do we get upset with somebody who owns a company charging for their service? We have tiers in in Netflix and in Hulu. We have in-app purchases in every video game our kids play or we play. And then we claim that we have kids or whatever it is people do to get away with the fact that they play a lot of video games. Or I don't know, maybe somebody's totally cool with that and that gets them dates. Beats me. Everyone's got a fetish. Why is it that this is such a problem? And the answer is it's not. The people screaming and yelling about $8 a month are just virtue signalers. And it's happening on the right and the left. It's foolish. You want to charge $8, go right ahead. You want to pay it, go right ahead. Me, I'm going to pay it. I want to see what happens. I've wasted money before. I want to see what happens with the thing. But what's fascinating is as this has come out, another story has come out. That Twitter employees, remember, they just got rid of 3,700 employees, and now he's asking some of them uh, to come back because maybe they got rid of too many people or they needed somebody for this, that, and the other. can happen. People are like, oh, what a fool. He doesn't know anything about business. Okay, you, you keep saying that. He doesn't care. The people who put out those kinds of statements, oh, he looked silly. He doesn't know anything about business. 
You go start a platform. You go get the $44 billion to buy somebody else's platform. Oh, and then send people to uh, the International Space Station, won't you? He doesn't care. So stop saying things that don't mean anything. They're not a burn. You're just a putz. I, I, am, I am getting near exhausted of having to save people from their own embarrassment. But, uh, you know, I can only try. Twitter employees, it seems, knew that people wanted to get verified and said, why should we give these verifications away for free? Why don't we charge for them? Well, look, you just work at Twitter. It's not your verification to give. Uh, 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 uh. I am Twitter. We, the employees, are Twitter. We are the arbiters of what is decent and important, and we will decide what people say and whether or not they are worthy of the blue check mark. Thank goodness I got mine in before everybody went insane. The rumor, and, and, and we should be perfectly clear, it's a rumor. The rumor is that Twitter employees were saying, oh, if you want to be verified, I can get you verified. Dude, hey, man, dude, I can, I can totally hook you up, man. Dude, man, I, I, I got a guy... I got a guy, and what I do is you, you just you just leave some money there, and the next thing you know, you look you look at your Twitter, boom, boom, blue check, boom, just look for it, boom. And they were selling verification for $15,000. Now, who in their right mind pays fifteen grand for a blue check mark? Well... If you needed the blue check mark in order to make uh, 150000 you'd pay the fifteen grand. That's basic economics, people. Would you pay 15000 to get 150000 Because I would. Tell me where to leave the fifteen grand. I, I, I will then figure out how to get the fifteen grand, And then tell me where I pick up my hundred and fifty grand, and then I will pay back the fifteen grand with the maybe a slight bit of interest. I'm good for that deal. I could do that deal, dear friends, all day long. I'm only hoping I get the opportunity. 15000 for 150000 Do that deal all day long. But people were paying it. People were paying it. That's pretty unbelievable. But nothing is competing with this from Elon Musk, where he makes the statement that, you know what you should do? You know what you should do, everybody? You know what you should do? I I, 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 I got an idea. I I got an idea. To independent-minded voters, he, he tweets out, shared power. <laughs> it's so good. Shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. Therefore, I recommend voting for a Republican Congress, given that the presidency is Democratic. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait. What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. Yeah. 
telling people to vote for Republicans, people are out of their heads. People are out of their heads, out of their minds about this. They don't know what to do. I do. It's Elon Musk, who is not a conservative, nor is he a liberal. He's an opportunist. I know who I'm in bed with. Stop looking to him like he is an idol or that he's in that much control of your life. That's his suggestion. Do with it what you will. He wants $8 for you to be verified on Twitter. Do it or don't. You decide. You have all the control. Every last bit of it. But the people going nuts, they're so full of crap. Just a bunch of virtue signaling fools. Fools. Unworthy of your time or attention. So do yourselves a favor. Don't be driven crazy by him saying this. Don't think him somebody worthy of of love and respect and idol worship. Because it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. This is his recommendation. Well, I've got mine. Somebody else has theirs. Everyone can have a recommendation. His recommendation is get verified for $8 a month. Take it or not. His recommendation is you don't impersonate people on my platform, which, by the way, he owns. The left told the right, if you don't like it, go start your own platform. This is a private business. Who do you think you are telling them what to do? And now here's the left losing their mind because the guy who owns the platform is doing what he wants. Go learn to code, you bunch of losers, and start your own platform. Capitalism, bitches. Let's go. (sighs) It's just so. It's just so stunning. Everyone has to chill. And stop thinking that Elon Musk controls your life. He doesn't, Elon Musk does not control your life. You know, I was going to tell a joke. I was going to tell a joke. And as I told the joke, I came upon the Kyrie Irving story. I'm like, maybe I won't tell the joke. Now, coming from me, it would have been funny. But, oh, it would have been a thing. Oh, it would have been such a thing. Oh, I'll regret not telling it. Find me later. I'll tell you what it is. I'm Tony Katz. You know, I know what the news is, Elon, the election. But in in Indianapolis, the, the, the news is only one thing. Jeff Saturday, interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, yes. Yes, I mean, just the, I have to assume that around the the, the building, people just got to have the strangest looks on their faces. Like, what in the, what in the bloody heck is, is going on here? They fire Frank Reich. And instead of Bubba Ventrone, instead of Gus Bradley, it's it's Jeff Saturday. I I don't know what to make of it. I cannot wait 
see how this plays out. We should be clear. I want to be clear. Man, do I have nothing against Jeff Saturday? I've never met the man. Never met the man. Zero against Jeff Saturday. Zip. It's just, I don't know. I don't know how this gets taken. Really, truly don't. I've, I've got more on this. If you missed my interview with uh, uh, JMV from 93.5107.5, The Fan, I'll have that for you. And and when we were talking, it, there there was no interim coach. We went through a whole thing of who could it be? Could it be? I actually left that in the interview so you could hear it. And then and then I'll you know I'll I'll, I'll update. You had to hear it because like we're discussing this out. It's like this is crazy. That's Jeff Saturday. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, Not as crazy as the people infuriated with Saturday Night Live. Because on November 12th, the host will be Dave Chappelle. And all you have from the left is, why are we giving this man a platform? Hashtag protect trans kids. Dave Chappelle is a terrible choice. You've got a non-binary cast member. How could you allow this? What about all your gay fans? I assume that gay fans of Saturday Night Live are strong enough to handle Dave Chappelle being the host and probably know how to laugh. Not all of them are somehow puritanical freaks who think that anything you think is funny is a sin. These people are ridiculous. Angry about everything. Stop telling us how you don't like it. Just don't watch. That's it. Me, what I don't like is electioneering. I don't like people in the polling place telling, saying, hey, don't vote for those people. They're racist. And hey, here, let me select uh, straight ticket voting for the Democrats for you. That's the allegation of what took place in Carmel. That's the allegation. And the response from the Democratic Party of Hamilton County has been Republicans are are just uh, utilizing dirty tricks and Diego Morales is a terrible candidate. This is not about Diego Morales. This is about a man who identified himself through a, a press release and whether or not he engaged in this election impropriety, which is getting investigated. I'll share more of that as well. So as crazy as the cold story is, there's some things happening around town that matter more. And my fear is it's just going to get pushed aside. Not not if you want a better society. It can't be. I'm Tony Katz. So we're up against it, people. This is it. Just one more day to go. One day more. Another day, another destiny. Honestly, I have more musicals per show than any other radio host in America. Guaranteed or your money back. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? One more day to Election Day and some of these final polls that are coming out. Again, I never believe just one poll, and you know that I am poll shy. I have been burned, and I have not gotten over it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't look at one, I look at amalgams. I look at groupings. I take a look at whether or not Trafalgar is right and we are under-polling the political 
right. And there are certainly data points about what people have seen over the years and how wrong they were, like CNN thinking Democrats plus this plus that over 2014, 16, 18, and 20, and how wrong they were and how much they're seeing a Republican advantage right now. Is it the red wave? Is it the red tidal wave? I know people like Jim Garrity over at National Review are writing about that. Ed Morrissey joins us right now. He is the capo de tutti capo over at hotair.com. His book, Going Red, is a great primer for understanding elections. You can find that at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. He's also got the podcast with Adam Baldwin, the name of the podcast, I can't even remember uh, right now. Uh, he'll, he'll tell us, guaranteed. Uh, let's uh, talk. We're taking a look at some of the final polls that are out Um Two questions. What are they telling you? And then, of course, what do you believe? Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. Uh, the name of the podcast, by the way, is The Amiable Skeptics, and it appears twice a week now at Hot Air for VIP members. And um, actually, we're going to have one free today uh, So, um, because it's VIP week. So we're doing a little bit of promotion this week and, and putting some stuff uh, that's normally behind the paywall out in front so people get a taste of what we're doing there. So thanks for mentioning that. Uh, I'm telling you, I think that the polls are somewhat wrong still. I don't think that they're showing the, the scope of the red wave. And I, I, in particular, I'm looking at data from Gallup, which I think really underscores the fact that pollsters are still missing the unique nature of this, of this particular uh, electoral cycle. The political environment here is unlike anything that we've ever seen. I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're, they've caught up to that. I don't think they've caught up to the high inflation, high crime impact. So, but there, but there's two, re there's two ways that goes, Ed, right? So, so that's either they're not asking the right question or they're not wanting to ask the right question, meaning they don't want to, to know. They want to try and engage in, in, in a skewing. Now, that's something to say about Gallup, but you could talk about a lot of pollsters and engage this kind of conversation. Is this about not wanting to know, or is this about uh, something else? Well, I, I think that you can take a look at, especially some of the media polling, and say, look, they're trying to build narratives for, you know, for their preferred... Um, uh, their preferred coverage, their preferred angles of coverage, and then at the last minute they're they're shifting around trying to get closer to a predictive final uh, final iteration in order to maintain some credibility. But I think in this case they're not they're still not grasping what the reality is. I mean, Gallup is showing uh, they did a poll. I think it came out either on Friday or Saturday. Uh, that shows that party affiliation has shifted significantly over to Republicans. It's plus four uh, GOP and plus six uh, if you count the leaners. And that is something that we haven't seen since I think 2010 was the last time we saw a shift like that. They also had an earlier analysis of sort of a synthesis of a number of their polls dealing with political environment. And it's the worst political environment since Jimmy Carter. And I've been arguing that all along is that you have a president who is uh, the most unpopular for a first-term president. You've got the worst in, um, uh, economic environment as rated by you know, respondents to Gallup's polling uh, since Jimmy Carter, and really ever, because that, that's, that's something that they started doing just after Jimmy Carter was president. And uh, you know, Congress is rated the worst. The direction of the country is the worst. This is a this could be ending up as a perfect storm of of, you know, red tsunami is what 
you know, or, or the sweet meteor of red death, if you want to look at it like that, Tony, uh, for Democrats. Now, I'm not necessarily sure that that's going to translate directly into House seats or Senate seats. But what I'm saying is that this political environment, the polling may really be seriously underestimating um, Republican turnout, Republican support. Talking to Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com. Be sure to check out uh, that VIP. behind. It's in front of the paywall, uh, free today, the podcast that Ed does with actor uh, Adam Baldwin. Uh, fantastic dude. Been uh, a good friend, uh, a lovely friend, I should say, for, for a good long, good long while. It's not to say he isn't a good friend. I, I, I would say that he is. Going back to this idea of red wave, red tsunami, this this conversation we keep hearing about. We have yet to quantify that, man. We we don't yeah. know what that means. I have people in my ear saying, if Republicans don't end up with 250 seats in the House, it's not a red wave. But if you end up with 230 seats in the House, you still control the House. I mean, you only need 218. So so what, what are we talking about those kinds of 250-esque kind of numbers? If you take two seats in the Senate, not four, but two seats, that's still control of the Senate. So what constitutes wave? And are we now going to get into if you don't have 250 seats in the House, well, then it's clear it's not a, a, a red wave and Biden did better than expected. And look at how strong he is. Yeah, no, I think what you have to look at is where you end up. Right. Because people are going to say, well, you know, we got 63 seats in 2010. So if you get something less than 63 seats, it's not really a wave. Well, no, the problem is with that calculation is that Republicans only had 188 seats in the House um, in that election. Right. So um, they ended up around 241, I think it was. um, Or what would that have been? I think around 241, something like that, 243. Um, yes, that's a six. That'd be a sixty-two seat pickup, based yeah, on something like that. Yeah. Um, so, if you get to two forty-five, it's you, you've really recaptured all all the same seats, or at least the same number of seats, right? It's the same, and that's only thirty-three seats. I mean, literally, we're starting out was like twenty-five seats. You know, with a twenty-five seat head ahead start, of the game, right? Uh, right. Um, same thing in the Senate. I mean, there was fifty-nine Republican seats in the Senate. I think in that cycle. The GOP picked up, I think, five or six. I mean, still left Democrats with majority. But, you know, in this cycle, I think what I'm looking at, my, my prediction here is, uh, or what I'm saying is the over-under, I think, is 245 and 52. I think if you get to 245 and 52, you've had a really good night for Republicans, especially since Republicans are really at a disadvantage in this cycle in the Senate races. They're defending 10 more seats than they're uh, challenging. The right? thing that nobody is discussing, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy to hear you say it because it's good to know that I'm not crazy. People are shooting the moon on this, but you, you bring up a solid point specifically about the Senate. They're like, oh, it's clearly Republicans can take the Senate. And they forget the fact that it really does depend on the races themselves because you only have a third of the Senate up every two years, the places where they said we're going to be the Republican pickups or possible Republican pickups, New Hampshire, Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada. They're not crediting uh, the growth there of Tiffany Smiley in Washington State. They think it's still going to go to Patty Murray. And people talk about the Pennsylvania race, but it's a Republican who isn't running for re-election. So if Dr. Oz wins, it's just a hold for for right. Republicans. It was the opportunity for a Democratic pickup. So let's go to those four, New Hampshire, Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada. In your view, how many of those are definitive Republican pickups and how many of those, or which ones of those, I should say, are on, on the fence? 
Well, I think they're all close, right? And the, and the question in Georgia is, do you get to 50% plus one vote? Does either candidate get to 50% plus one vote, or do you go to a runoff? Because Georgia is that magical state that has runoff elections because they have, you know, three or four people on the ballot. Uh, so they often will, will go to that. You have to win by 50% plus one. It's not just first past the post. Um, I'm not certain that you're going to get past a runoff election there. I think you're going to have to get to a runoff election. But I think Herschel Walker ends up winning that um, election just because of the political environment that we're in. And because Brian Kemp is beating Stacey Abrams so well, th there may be some tail, uh, you know, coattails there for, for Herschel Walker. I'm crossing my fingers that he gets to 50% plus, plus a vote on election day. Um, the other three are just really close. Blake Masters, I think of the three, Blake Masters probably has the best shot of, of winning the seat. That's I think the Arizona Oz race Russell. against the incumbent Mark Kelly, the Democrat. Yep. I think Oz has a decent shot. I think Don Bolduck has an outside shot. Um, I think if Bolduck wins that race uh, against Maggie Hassan, then it's a red tsunami. I mean, Katie bar the door. I think that there's other races, too, where Republicans are, are going to do well and, and may end up um, picking up. I mean, you haven't mentioned Nevada, which would be a Republican takeaway. And that one is looking very good for Republicans. Adam Laxalt going up against uh, uh, Catherine Cortez Masto. Um, and um, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, there's even talk about Patty Murray being in trouble in Washington uh, with uh, Tiffany Smiley. And, um, you know, uh, that, that, that others, you know, I was going to say that Washington race is is to me the same as that New Hampshire race. I think it's very clear that Laxalt is ahead and Nevada can win. I think it's very clear that Masters has the opportunity to win. I think it's also very clear that Walker will win. That's definitely where I'm at. But that Bulldog race, you've got the general, Don Bulldog, the Republican, against the incumbent, Maggie Hassan. You have Tiffany Smiley running this um, really incredible campaign against a a democratic institution in Patty Murray. You used an expression on the show the other day, you were here last week, and you referred to it as a black swan event. And yep. those to me, just like the governor's race of Lee Zeldin, the Republican should be Kathy Hochul, the incumbent Democrat governor of New York. That's a black swan event. Um, but there are some of these races that if you pick this up, You've just you've you've gutted where Democrats believe their power is. Is that a good way of seeing yes. it? Yes, yes, and I think that that's being driven by erosion among key Democratic uh, demographics. Wall Street Journal has an analysis out this morning about that, uh, where you know Hispanics have really started to shift significantly over to the Republicans. Republicans, according to their polling, are about four points behind on Hispanics, but I mean, that's a huge jump up from where they've been at, you know, two years ago, four years ago, eight years ago. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're getting 17% of the black vote, according to Wall Street Journal's polling. We've seen other polling where it's in sort of in that range. That's almost double the black vote that they normally get. And that's not a demographic word. Um, Democrats can afford any erosion whatsoever. It's, it's, the, it's their bread and butter. And that doesn't mean that, you know, Republicans are winning the black vote. I mean, 70 percent is still a pretty small percentage, but it's showing that uh, black voters are starting to become more open uh, to um, voting against Democrats. And maybe more importantly, probably just not enthusiastic about showing up at all in the first place. And that is a huge, huge problem for Democrats, huge problem. And if that, you know, one cycle isn't a realignment. 
And we have to remember that because we thought that 2010 was a realignment, right? Well, it was a realignment election. And then Barack Obama, two years later, Barack Obama wins the presidential election. Um, but I think the fundamentals that are in play right now are potentially realigning if Democrats don't you know, uh, change course. I mean, significantly change course uh, to start addressing the issues that matter to you know, working class and middle class Americans rather than lecturing them on what they should be worried about, which is what Joe Biden's been doing for the last six or seven weeks. And if they continue to ignore that, if they continue to do what they're doing right now, the the potential for a realignment, I, I mean, a really broad and lasting realignment becomes th those chances become a lot higher in the 2024 election. And I think that uh, a big red wave here will probably wake them up to that. The third way has a memo out. Axios is reporting on this this morning, talking about exactly that. I'm not necessarily sure, though, after a red wave, that the Democrats who are left are going to be the ones who will respond to that. Because, Tony, who's going to lose in a you – know, who among the Demo Democrats are going to lose in a red wave election? It's not going to be the hardline progressives. Correct. That is absolutely correct. Ed Morrissey, hotair.com. Before I let you go, just uh, quickly – a tweet from the New York Times, a tweet from David Dale, uh, who is the fact checker over at CNN. Biden didn't, uh, you know, do anything with Social Security. Biden, no gas prices weren't $5 a gallon under Trump. No Biden this, no Biden that. You're starting to see the tweets, the conversations turning on Joe Biden uh, when the progressives and the Democrats lose this election cycle. How quickly is this media apparatchik going to go from Biden was inherited this from Trump and Biden has done so many good things and look at all the good legislation to, you know, Biden clearly is slipping and he's not OK. And Democrats are really going to have to look into replacing him. Well, I think that's absolutely correct. I think that, you know, all of the talk about I'm looking, you know, that, that he and Jill are, are starting to plot out the 2024 election cycle. I think a lot of that was just posturing. You know, because you don't want to admit that you're not going to run um, early because you become a lame duck. Immediately you become a lame duck. Um, it's almost definitionally a lame duck presidency at that point. But I think if Republicans take control of both chambers of Congress in, in tomorrow's election, and I think that that's uh, at least a fairly um, supportable prediction, if not a predictable outcome, um, then I think that the, the lame duckness is already there. He is not the kind of he's not a Bill Clinton. He's not a, a Barack Obama. Joe Biden is going to be simply incapable of dealing with that situation. And um, and it will and it will show it will show. And I think that Democrats are going to look at that and and take that long walk up Pennsylvania Avenue and say, you're done. <laughs> you're you're LBJ. You need to go. Um you're, you're a millstone around our necks, and we're, we need to look to the next generation. And I don't think it's going to be Kamala Harris either that they're going to be looking at. Oh, definitely, definitely not. Uh, Ed Morrissey will check in with you after the election. Hotair.com, the book going red. Check it out for yourself wherever fine books are sold. And be sure to go over to hotair.com and check out that VIP section and the podcast with uh, uh Ed Morrissey and Adam Baldwin. Be sure to check that out. What, what is it? The happy skeptic? The uh, the amiable skeptics. The, the amiable, amiable skeptics. Amiable. Amiable skeptics. <laughs> check it out for yourself. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So if you missed my conversation, my morning show conversation about the allegations of electioneering in Carmel uh, at a satellite polling place, uh, 
please, just one more reason why I despise early voting. Uh, I'm going to share parts of that in a little bit. But I am still amazed by the people who are like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, look, the guy who's uh, allegedly done this, he says he didn't. Ah, Republicans made it up. Every place you look, people are making an allegation about things all the time. All these allegations about Diego Morales. You know what I've always said? Do your investigation. Do your investigation. By the way, I've seen nothing data-wise that shows me that Diego Morales, the Republican candidate for Secretary of State, won't win. But certainly, anecdotally, I've heard plenty. That, that's true. Plenty about not liking him. But nothing that says he won't win. But the people who won't do an investigation to possible election engineering and Carmel are opposed to it. Those are bad people. The full story, I have that in the next hour. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.